Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, Christmas is interesting, isn't it? Uh... Christmas starts, you realize, starts when Halloween is over. Do you notice that? It's, as soon as Halloween is over, the Christmas decorations come up. And and even for me as a parent, I, I start shopping now in August, you know, anticipating Christmas and thinking about Christmas and so forth. And Christmas has come a long way from 2,000 years ago, from what we're going to read here in a moment. Because 2,000 years ago was just another night. Today, I mean, think, think about it. I mean, I get a ham this Christmas. I'm looking forward to that. You guys have ham. They say, "Well, I get a ham every Christmas." Yeah, but you know, in my house, we we don't want to we we don't want to spend all our time in the kitchen. But this year, I get a ham. But you've got your things going on. You've got your traditions. You've got Christmas Eve stuff. Some of you will come to the service. Some of you will be at home with your families, opening gifts and spending that time. You've got You've got certain kind of things that you eat. For me, it's a cheese ball. For you, it might be something else. You know, you, maybe it's eggnog or, or a punch or whatever. And, and you call people on certain times of a certain day. And, and it's all the tradition stuff. And here in the next few days, you're going to be doing the last minute shopping, fighting everybody else for what's left there that you know that you need to get for that person. And even still, listen... Have you noticed this year, I think there was a campaign, I think it was last year, that we want to keep Christ in Christmas and we want to force the, you know, the stores to make sure they say Merry Christmas and stuff. You ever notice that? We're doing that? All of that. So different 2,000 years ago. All of that really really doesn't make sense when you consider the Christmas story because when you look at the Christmas story, it was just another night. It was just another night in Bethlehem. The only thing that was going on was people were coming in for a census to be counted for tax purposes. The place was crowded. And then you hear that somewhere in a stable a baby is born. It's like, hey, it's just another night. Just like, you know, I was visiting somebody in the hospital about a couple months ago, and while I was there in the Clearfield Hospital, music was coming on over the loudspeaker system, and that was to announce what? A baby was born in the Clearfield Hospital. And, of course, I was visiting some ladies, and they're like, oh, a baby was born. And I'm like, okay, what's, you know, just another baby. I'm a guy. And then, you know, to be honest with you, that was the attitude 2,000 years ago. Just another baby. All that we're doing now in a celebration of it didn't exist then. In fact, let's read what Luke says. Look with me in Luke chapter 2 and notice what he says. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. 
Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth and to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to register with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were in the same country shepherds lying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Interesting thing. We're going to see there's just another night, but there's some interesting things that happen tonight. The rest of the population there, totally oblivious to what's going on. But Luke tells us the significance of Jesus' birth here. We're going to see that there's an amazing birth that happens. And we're also going to see that there's a celebration that takes place. Now, it's not a celebration of humans. We're going to see that in a moment. But there is a celebration. And then we're going to see that because of the birth and the celebration, there are some responses that happen. And so maybe we can learn some things from this kind. First of all, I want you to notice the amazing birth. I want you to see, first of all, that God orchestrated the setting. God orchestrated the setting. I want you to notice with me the first five verses. Luke writes this. He says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now the result of that, look with me at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. The first thing I want you to see is, is that remember, where was Mary when she received the vision that she was going to, when she saw the angel and the angel told her that she was going to carry the Christ child? She was in northern Galilee. She was in Nazareth. Where did the prophecy say that the Christ would be born? Bethlehem, in Judea, in the southern part of Israel. 
How do you get Mary and Joseph from up north down to Bethlehem for the birth? You have some guy across the Mediterranean Sea make a decree that everybody in the known world at that time in the Roman Empire needs to be registered, and you force everybody back to their homeland, to where their families came from. And where did Joseph's family come from? Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting, when, when Caesar Augustus was issuing this decree, he was thinking in terms of how much tax money he was going to get. He was not thinking in terms of the fulfillment of prophecy of the king of the world, because he thought he was what? The king of the world. See, God orchestrated everything so that all the prophecies would be fulfilled for this child, for this mother who would bear this child to come to where? to Bethlehem to have this child born. So this is not just a coincidence. God orchestrated the whole setting. Then I want you to see something here, is that Jesus then was born, the Savior of the world, the King of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords. He was born in lowly circumstances. He was born in lowly circumstances. Listen, when you think of kings being born and you think of spectacular people being born, you know, you think of some of the movie stars and how they had their kids being, you know, you've heard about the babies that they have and everything, and you hear about them going to some French chateau somewhere for their child to be born and whatever. You think in terms of spectacular people having their babies in spectacular places. But when you think about God, think about this. God coming in human flesh. How does he decide to come into the world? First of all, he uses an insignificant maiden from, from northern Galilee, from northern Israel, to carry this child. Then he has this, think about this, being carted from all the way in northern Israel down to Bethlehem, probably by a donkey, and you're pregnant. Ladies would understand this more than guys. And you're, on the, you're, on, you're at that place of almost bearing child. And you come, and there's nowhere, there's no, no room in the end. There's no Motel 8 for you to stay in. And you have to stay in a stable. And that's where you give birth. I want you to grasp the reality of what we're talking about here. The Bible describes Jesus as the creator of the universe. As the king of kings. God come in human flesh. And when he's born into this world, he's not born in someone's home. He's born... In a stable. He's born in a stable and laid in a feed trough. That's how the creator of the universe came into this world. As the God-man. See, that's the amazing thing about this birth. And, and other people in town would say, boy, I heard there was a baby born in town. It was born in a stable. Boy, that's terrible, isn't it? And nothing would even be thought about the child at all, as far as who the child was. See, Jesus was born in lowly circumstances. In fact, Paul gives us perspective of this. If, think about this in Philippians chapter 2. Let me turn there real quickly and I'll share with you what he says. When he thinks about the aspect of Jesus coming, he says this. Let this mind be in you, thinking about saying to us, 
let this mindset be in you. Because you've got to think about the mindset of God here. Let this mindset be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So here he is. He's equal with God, Jesus. But listen, verse 7, here's what he said. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul saying, reflecting back on that, on what Luke is sharing about us, he's saying, here's God, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, leaves the glories of heaven to, and leaves all the glory of that to come live among us. And he becomes a child, a helpless child. And not just being helpless, but born in the most odd places of stable. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? But I want you to notice there was a celebration that took place. Look with me at verses 8 through 14. We see it about the shepherds. And and this is this is typical. Even in their day, it's typical in our day. When somebody gives birth, aren't there celebrations when you when you when your loved one or somebody Families, when you have a new baby coming at home, it's a big thing, isn't it? It's a big thing. You had a celebration, Amy. In our culture, we have celebrations beforehand. We have baby showers, you know, and we'll have celebrations when the, when, it, when dad goes and gets the baby. And I remember going and picking Lori up from the hospital, and, and you know, going in, and I get to carry the yeah. When the nurse lets me have him, I get to carry him and put him in the vehicle, you know, and carry. Him. And so we have pictures of me carrying all my little ones in the same little carrier thing. And it's a celebration. You celebrate the coming of a child. Now, you think about this. Here's this baby. They're away from home. They're in southern Judah, just outside of Jerusalem. Family's back up in Galilee. The baby comes. And I want you to think about this. Now, remember now, what kind of reputation would Mary have carrying this baby? you think there's many celebrations going on about her having this baby? No, not at all. But I want you to see something. Just like we would celebrate the baby, God celebrates the birth of His Son. Because notice with me, notice what happens here. God is bringing about a celebration. He appears to shepherds to announce the birth of His Son. And then as the announcement is made, we're going to see several things. First of all, I want you to see is is that God chooses the insignificant to take part. He's going to have a celebration to celebrate the coming of Jesus. And here's what He does. He chooses the insignificant to be a part of the celebration. You notice He didn't send an angel out to get all the elite and all the name droppers in the world to come and say, hey, my son is born. He chooses shepherds. And then you say, what, what's so insignificant about that? Well, first of all, I want you to think about it. Shepherds on the social economic status level there were at the very bottom. They were insignificant. They were just country bumpkins. Just plain dumb farmers in the mindset of the, of the Israelites at that time. And guess who Jesus? Guess who Jesus' birth is announced to? The insignificant. 
See, isn't that just like God? God chooses the insignificant. And so he's going to celebrate the birth, and he wants people to come and celebrate the birth with him. And who does he go to? What society would deem as the insignificant. Isn't that interesting? What society would deem as the insignificant. So he chooses the insignificant. But here's what he does. He, as they're being announced, and all of a sudden it says this. Notice with me what it says there. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Here's what he did. The angels glorified God for the child. They celebrated this child's birth. This is a spectacular thing. Because notice what the angels are doing. They're celebrating it. Because of the significance of what it means. Shouldn't we continue to celebrate it as well? They're celebrating this amazing birth. It is an amazing birth because the birth and the amazing thing about the birth didn't just end here in a manger. It goes all the way to where? 33 years later, to a cross outside of Jerusalem. There's a celebration. But I want you to notice the responses about it. Notice the responses. First of all, I want you to notice with me, look at me at verses 15 through 18. Notice what it says there. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen them, they made widely known the saying which they told them, which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The first thing I want you to see here about the response to Jesus' birth comes from the shepherds. And I don't want you to notice what it says here. Here's what he says. The shepherds told others about the child. The shepherds told others about the child. Here's their response. And I want you to compare their response to our response today. Their response is, is okay, they say, the angels come, they say to them, there's a child, here's the sign of the child, this child is special, this child is going to be the savior of the world. And, they, and also, what do they do? They say, well, we better go see this child. We better go to Bethlehem. So they truck it over to Bethlehem, and they see the child, and they worship the child, and then the scripture tells us that once they see the child and worship the child, what do they do then? Do they go back to the fields? Do they go back to the sheep? No. They go and what? Tell others about the child. You see the response? Now let's stop for a moment. Let's compare that response to how we respond to that. Today, remember, we already talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the message. We, we talked about how we're celebrating and we're getting with our families. We, we had our Christmas banquet as a church and we, we're, we go to our company parties or, or whatever or we get with our friends and, and, uh, we may, you know, if you were at Walmart yesterday, you saw everybody there, right? Because everybody was there. I mean, I mean, all, I mean, it looked like everybody was there at Walmart yesterday. And, but here's the thing. The last thing that's on our mind Let's be honest. Telling people about the child. 
We're celebrating. And we're going to celebrate. I mean, four more days. Four more days of being woken up to woken up packages. Four more days till sitting down having mashed potatoes and that dark gravy coming off of that ham. Four more days. Four more days. Four more days of enjoying it. Four more days. And then, what is it? Leftovers for the next few. And of course, New Year's. The last thing that's on our mind is telling other people about Jesus. But I want you to notice something. Here's the Savior of the world. They see Him, they acknowledge Him, and then they go around and they tell others about Jesus. They tell others. And notice something. God chooses the insignificant to do it. He chooses shepherds to go around and announce the birth of the Savior. So that's the first response we see there. We see the first response is one where the shepherds share up, tell others about Jesus. The other response we see from Mary herself, the mother. And we can learn from this response as well. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Notice with me what it says there. But Mary kept, verse 19, all these things and pondered them in her heart. She's looking at all of this. So think about it. Here she is. She's probably 15 years old. Nine months before, an angel comes and announced to her that she's going to carry a child, a virgin. She has to take a donkey ride down, a trip down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She gives birth. and I mean, think about you giving birth to your first child, a stable. I mean, think about it. straw, manure, animals grunting and baying. I mean, think about it. And then... A whole bunch of shepherds show up. Think about that, ladies. That's, that's not wonderful, is it? I mean, think about this. Here she is. She just had a baby in a stable. Think about the condition she's in, and there's a bunch of shepherds show up. And they worship the child. And the Bible says she just pondered these things in her heart. See, this is the second response. The second response is not just the sharing. It's a contemplation about what all this means. My friends, you know, as we're rushing around... Oh, I forgot this. Got to run in Clearfield. Got to get that. Oh, got to, got to figure out what I'm going to get for this person or that person. Oh, you know, we got to get this wrapped and all this. And, and oh, we got to make it to this function and that function. Oh, we got this family event going on at that family event. And I really don't want to see so and so, but we got to. And we're in the midst of all of that in the hustle and bustle of Christmas. We really don't have time to ponder, do we? We really don't have time to sit quietly and reflect upon the events of Christmas. To, to really reflect upon the events of what really happened. And to ponder, like Mary did, what the things in her heart. I mean, believe me, she had reason to ponder. But you know what? So do you and I. Not like her. But we have reason too because this child would be our Savior. This child would die for us. And in the midst of all of our hustle and bustle, we can forget it, can't we? In fact, I'll be honest with you. You know, if I could reverse it, I wish I could, because but the passage doesn't. I would say the pondering needs to take place before the sharing does. You know what I'm saying? The pondering of the events need to take place in our heart and the grasping of what they mean before I can share it with somebody else and the significance of what it means to my life. 
Here's what I'm saying to you as we close our time. Number one, do you grasp the significance of the birth? It was just another night. It was a night that would forever change the course of this world. It's just another night, but to be honest with you, it's a night that would forever change your life and my life. Just another night. But it was a, a night that would forever change my life in April of 1985 when I committed my life to Christ beside my bed in my home in Columbia, South Carolina because of the recognition that Jesus is Christ and He's Lord and I want to follow you. Just another night. And really, let's be honest, it, it, to us, even though we have made it into what it is, it's just another Christmas, isn't it? The kids, man, Christmas! But for you as an adult, just another Christmas. And there'll be other Christmases, hopefully. But the reality is, is that there's something far more significant about it. And that's what's missing from our lives, isn't it? Do you grasp the significance? The, the next thing is, is this. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Recognize that. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Notice what the, what the angels said as they were speaking to, and proclaiming, as he was announcing the birth. He says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to, notice what he says, all people. He didn't say to Israel, but to all people. For unto you there is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you grasp the significance? Jesus is the Savior. That babe who was born was our Savior. And then finally, here's the question. How will you respond? How will you respond to this? Don't answer that right now in your mind. Take it home. Sleep on it. Think about it. Roll it over. I mean, be like a cow. Chew on it a while. Literally. How, you know, because, can I be honest with you? In about two weeks here, this thing's going to be stripped of all its ornaments. They're going to put it back in a box. Poinsettias will go home with you next week, for those of you who these poinsettias belong to. You're going to, I mean, after New Year's, you're going to get your house back in order. The wrapping paper that you took so much time to delicately wrap those gifts is going to be crumpled up in a black bag outside for Hugel or, or one of the other guys to pick up. And life's going to go on. Quote, go on. Until the next Christmas. But my friends, that's just our celebration. The bigger issue is, is how are you going to respond right now to the reality that we were celebrating? See, if we focus on the celebration, we've got to focus on the reality that we're celebrating. And really... There really are only two responses that need to come out of both of our lives, aren't there? Number one, that we need to ponder it. We need to contemplate it. We need to think about it. What does it mean? How does it affect my life? And number two, that we share it with others. We tell others about the Savior. That's the reality of Christmas. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.